Welcome to the Fully Live Man Podcast. This is a podcast to help men leverage community to win life. I could not be more excited. Episode four, it's probably going to be the best one yet. Lee, how are you feeling today? I feel pretty good, Robbie. I also think it's going to be the best one yet. We haven't shot it yet. This isn't one of those like re-intro. We're going all the way through, but it's just speaking expectantly. We're more comfortable near a microphone than we used to be. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving toward comfortability in front of a microphone. Either way, it's going to be fun. And the reason I was probably referring to why I think it's going to be better is because we're bringing a good friend of ours, Doug Hurley, one of the coolest guys I know who just fosters insecurity in me. But as we're getting to know each other, we will talk about that maybe at a later date because he's just so, he's he's a great friend. He's an awesome dude, awesome dad. Uh, so we're going to bring him on in a minute because we're going to unpack a little bit of what we've been talking about, which is to be engaged in our unique calling. If purpose and significance is such a big deal for us as men, then what in the world are we talking about? And what does that look like in our lives? How do we engage in our unique calling or the way God's designed us? And what does that look like with work and purpose and identity? We're going to pick Doug's brain on that because he's been all over the place uh, from fighter pilot, um, special forces guy in the military to corporate executive to I don't know what all he's done. We'll ask him in a minute, but I'm excited. I'm excited too, Robbie. I, I think the word calling just automatically, as many listeners as there possibly are, there's probably as many definitions as calling that just pop it, popped into people's heads. Like when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, this is a good question. And for me, I have a weird dichotomy because when I was a little kid, like we were the weird Christian family that didn't watch TV or anything. So I thought the only coolest job description was apostle. That went away by the time I hit puberty. And so by the time I was graduating high school and, you know, college, you know, 18 to 20 years, I was pretty sure I was going to be a rock star. Like I, I thought my voice was spot on Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam. Really? I'm going to the top. I'm taking grunge with me. You play, you don't play any instruments. I am not super musical, (laughs) but I was pretty sure rock star was in my future. That's awesome. Awesome. Apostle to rock star. Yeah. What about you? Come on. I want to be a soccer player. Oh, uh, really? It was that like, I'm a soccer player. I was like the smallest kid in every class to about 10th grade. I was that little guy, but I was super intense. And I've it came out you. on the soccer field because I was this tiny little guy who loved soccer. And I was like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be hard charging uh, soccer player. Kobe Jones. I, I want to be Kobe Jones. Right it's not too late, Robbie. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely Who too late. Who the heck is Kobe Jones? He he was a soccer player back in the day. Landon 90s. Donovan is the only soccer player ever. Yeah, he was he was the face after the good team in the nineties. Gotcha. Who actually went somewhere in the World Cup. So uh let's transition. Uh let's bring Doug in because I wonder what he used to thought. If Doug Welcome hey, to the Doug. Fully Alive Man podcast. Man, guys, thanks for having me. I'm so jazzed to be here. Thank you. We're excited. So tell us a, a little bit about who you wanted to be as a kid, and then we'll get to know you. But first, what when you were a kid, what did you want to be? <laughs> it wasn't um, being an apostle. <laughs> <laughs> that apostle, is, <laughs> soccer player. What else is there? I that is so awesome, man. I was like, God, I don't even know if I knew what that word was back then. But um, 
uh, astronaut, cowboy, football player, like all those, you know, you are an all American man. Totally. Just wanted to, you know, all those jobs. And I wanted my first name to be Joe. I thought Doug was such a lame name and I wanted to be called Joe. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're not a cowboy. No, uh, far from it. But tell us, give us an overview of that first season of profession of your life. Um, we can't go into the stories that I've been able to pick your brain at. Once once you, it gets late at night and you're hanging out with Doug, just start. If anybody ever gets to hang out with Doug, start asking him random war stories and it's a good, good life. So, Doug, tell us about the early days. What'd you do? The early days. Gosh, that was a while ago. Um, after college, went into went into the military um, and was a helicopter helicopter pilot. Oh, is my what, bad. Is what I did. No, 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 sweat. And so uh, did that and loved it. It just felt it felt like a great fit. And um, man, my identity was one hundred percent wrapped up in that. And excelled. Loved it. Loved hanging out with the guys. Loved the mission. Loved flying. Um, probably more than anything in that job, I just loved leading, leading the, the mission. It wasn't even necessarily wiggling the sticks, which was really cool. It was, it was, um, leading the mission. That was my sweet spot, if you will. So that was, I did that for about 12 years. What branch of the military? Army. Yep. So did the army. And tell us about, you just flew random helicopters. Give us some more detail. You soft sell yourself. Can we just acknowledge that you just referred to flying a helicopter as wiggling the sticks? (laughs) If you weren't the coolest guy I knew before, the fact that, yeah, it's just wiggling the sticks, you know, flying a helicopter with military guys around. Well, it's funny too, because I, I said that, you know, my sweet spot was leading. My sweet spot wasn't necessarily wiggling the sticks or flying. <laughs> I wrecked a lot of helicopters. I, How many a, helicopters did you wreck? Seven accidents. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's Millions of taxpayer dollars. So That's did you so just beautiful. like fly around regular, give us some details. Like what, don't be bashful, Doug. To, yeah. What did you really do? So the first, uh, so after flight school went, was in the regular army, which was the 101st and did that for about three years. And then, um, so then about four years in active duty, uh, I tried out for the 160th, which is the Special Operations Aviation Regiment or unit that flies all the all the special ops guys around on their assault missions mm-hmm. and got into that unit and, and loved it. And I loved what I was doing in the regular Army before I got into the 160th. But when I got to the regular Army, I was like, I want to be in that unit. I want to get into that unit. Is that like the elite, so cool. the best yeah. in, in that game? In that game, in that, in that segment of aviation and... Uh, all, for all four branches, that's the unit. So you made it. In. Yeah, got like, in there and loved it. Here's a random question. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long to get Bin Laden? Were you over there? Were you part of this? Like, do you have insight? Can you hit pause on this? And we'll talk <laughs> about that real quick. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, they, but they, they, they got him. I mean, I, you know, it was oh, a yeah. gutsy move what, what President um, Obama did, yeah. going across the border, because it was... A lot of politics, not t- trying to take any political side one way or the other, but a, a lot of politics involved to yep. get across the border and get them, and, and they got it. That's awesome. Them. Yeah. That's that was awesome. an amazing answer, and you have protected your future career in politics <laughs> with that beautiful answer. Well done. Mayor, Mayor Hurley of yeah, Alpharetta, Georgia. That right? works, man. <laughs> there you go. I'd vote. Thank you for that. So you, you kind of reached the top. I mean, you were in the unit, flying, doing what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you stay? What happened, and what did you do next? Yeah, there is. Uh, I'll give you give you kind of three whys, uh, why or answers to that. Um, I got I did get to the top of my game, 
in that unit. So you get to the best of the best. And then I got, I was one of the flight leads, one of the leaders in that unit. And uh, I still had eight years to retire. And I'm like, man, I'm going to do this for eight more years mm. when I'm just a guy who likes to go and get the gusto and, and love challenges and, and love to climb the mountain. So that was one reason um, that I was looking at getting out. The other reason was um, I, I was married. And um, since I had been with Janie, I had been on three combat deployments and we lost a lot of guys. It was just it was just it was a heavy deployment schedule, heavy uh, op tempo, operational tempo is what they say in the military. Especially when you're wrecking them. Especially when you're week. wrecking them. And they're like, we got to get them back in the helicopter so we can learn how to fly. <laughs> Put them back. Let's deploy them again. And, um, but the third reason was I, um, I was really getting to a point where God was working on my heart to realize my identity and who I am isn't wrapped up in necessarily what I do. Mm. And um, so that kind of served as a bridge or a cat catalyst for me to look at other things, even though I loved what I did. But when you take into account being gone all the time, it was hard on my wife. It was hard on our marriage. It was just kind of the right thing to do. So you were looking for, uh, you were wrestling with this identity thing. So what'd you do after that? Did you jump into missions or find more identity in there or what'd you do? Yeah, yeah, I became a pastor because that's really where, I mean, if you're gonna love God, that's what you're gonna do. I'm totally <laughs> joking with that. And we, I think we're gonna circle back to that in a few minutes. But the, yeah, I went to biz the business world, didn't know anything about it, um, and started working for a big pharmaceutical company, a Fortune 100 company, and started working for those guys. And um, I'll tell you what, it was tough because I really did have so much of who I was and my significance wrapped up in being that leader and that elite unit. Hmm. And I didn't realize how much I did until I got into the civilian world, into the business world, and I'm trying to crush it and do, really do really good things. And I was, do, I was doing well, but um, it just didn't garner the same kind of elite respect that I was getting back in the military. And that was, man, that was hard. It was humbling yep. and it was hard, um, but I, I pressed through it. So how many years did you spend in the corporate world? Let's say 12 years military and then about about 10 years corporate world. How was that journey in the corporate world for your sense of identity or peace or calling? Man, I'll tell you what, it is. it has been such a journey. And so I'll try to shrink wrap this. And, and if you have any other questions, ask away. But it um, it has been, you know, I'm almost 50. And it's been years and years and years of me growing away from what I do and my job title, my job description, and my what my office looks like, mm. what my Monday through Friday looks like is not near, nearly as important as much as how I do it. Mm. And that has been, I'd love to tell you that I got that all figured out as soon as I became a Christ follower or as soon as I got into the business world or as soon as I got into ministry, if we could, uh, or working for a church, let's put it that way, three years ago, that I got it all figured out. And I don't, man, that is still somewhat of a wrestle every day mm. to come back to the truth of it's more whose I am and belonging to Christ and and just um, knowing that I'm I'm a love, beloved son of a heavenly Father, and um, and then it's how I how I act on that and how I behave on that in the world. But it's it's still a battle every day. Uh, but I look in the rearview mirror over the last I don't know thirty years of being almost thirty years of being in, in military and business and now working for a church. And God has really uh, grown me in a lot of ways where it's not about what I do necessarily. It's more about whose I am and how I do it. 
So I want to unpack that a, a little bit because the narrative in my head goes, yeah, so you went from corporate and then you found that fulfillment and purpose because now you're in ministry a few years ago. So now it's all good. And because of what you're doing now, it's it's meaningful and purposeful and ministry in that narrative. But before that, I think we pause uh, for a section to take a little breather that I like to call Man Hacks. Lee, tell us what a man hack is. All right, guys. A man hack is something that we can offer you to improve your life. One little hack to make your life better. We always want to be offering something like that. So my man hack for this week is this. Probably a lot of you don't struggle with high fives. (laughs) Maybe your high fives land every single time. But if you're like me, every once in a while, you have a failed high five and it's embarrassing. It's shaming. Here's what you do. Shaming. When you go in for a high five, always look at the other guy's elbow. If you look huh. at the elbow when you're going for the high five, you will never miss the hand. I, Try I, it. Give it's me a high real. five. Nailed it. Wait, give me you one more. You didn't look at his elbow. Nailed it. I like the elbow. Doug, it's give amazing. me a high five. You, I like the elbow. You will never yeah, miss again. Guys, this is a big deal. That's awesome. Never, never deal with that shame again. You're welcome. Amazing. Amazing. You're welcome. Uh, I got a man hack for us. So I live uh, next to a cow pasture. We have lots of flies. We have our doors open. Kids are always in and out. They leave the doors open the entire there every day, all day. The doors open. So there's flies in the house. My wife, it, part of our my role in our relationship is that I take care of the insects and the bugs. I don't know what your marriage looks like, but my wife puts that on me. So flies are a, a challenge. So I've been experimenting with having fun. And I just bought a salt gun, not an assault gun, Doug. No, no flashbacks here, but a salt gun. Uh, it's called a bug assault gun. You can buy it on Amazon. It's kind of expensive, but it shoots a little pellet of salt, like a, like a shotgun. Um, so it shoots a little spread of salt, um, and it kills flies. Like From, salt, you sprinkle? Yeah, like salt, or? like table salt. You put it in and it captures a little BB-sized thing of salt and it shoots it out like a... At a, a fly. At a spread. And so from like a three foot distance, it kills the fly. It is so much fun. I want that. I oh, want that. It is so much fun. You can fly from three feet away? Oh yeah, so my, my boys and I are just like waiting for flies. We're leaving the doors open, <laughs> flies are coming in because we go around hunting flies and it's so much fun. So yeah. I fully recommend it. It's worth so everything. So just asking for every man listening, the question is, does it hurt? I know yeah. you've shot yourself. Oh yeah. I told oh, Moses wow. to shoot me. I took my shirt off. I said, shoot me from about four <laughs> feet away and it hurts. It doesn't feel good. I, I, it's fantastic. I, no wonder the fly dies. Doug, what you got for us? What's that under your rib? Salt rash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Man hack for me is um, um, nail clippers in the uh, center console in the car. Yes. Guys, oh. I mean, it's like... I do that. Well, we never have time. I mean, we're work, we're working yeah. full-time. Dad's, husband's life is just busy. And all of a sudden, you're driving down the road, and you're like, I look like a gargoyle with my fingernails. <laughs> so, hey, nail clippers. The game downs- changer. The down- game changer. The downside is I've got nail clippings all over my front seat. It's disgusting. <laughs> and my wife is like, you are the grossest man I've ever met in my entire I'm life. buying one on the way home today. I love that hack. Thanks, Doug. Yep. That wraps up our segment we like to call <laughs> Man Hacks. So let's jump back in. Doug, you have went from military to corporate to ministry. Walk us along that journey and what it's looked like for you. Yeah, it's, it has been a journey. And can I... Be totally honest here and transparent. It's it's uh, talking out of both sides of my mouth. I feel like in one regard, um, God has just done crazy, awesome clipping and printing with me, mm. and helped me realize it doesn't matter if you're a pilot, 
in a regular army unit or an elite unit or the leader of an elite unit or you're in business managing one team or multiple teams or you're working for a church that's renowned, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It is way about who you belong to, where you're at, and are you serving and loving those around you. And, and tapping into your skills and strengths and experience and gifts that God has equipped you with. So that that sounds really preachy, and it sounds, gosh, I wish I wish I've walked in my walk that way. Guys would be saying that. But, and here's the honest and candid part, I still wrestle with that. I work for a church, and you think that working for a church, you got it all figured out. Man, there are still things I do that I make about me, where I get self-absorbed, where I want the accolades, where I want the spotlight, where I want to get patted on the back, and I'm not making it about other people. So to say I got it all figured out, that ain't the case. But on this journey that you asked me about over three different careers, if you will, over the past three decades, um, there's been a ton of growth, and, and I feel like I'm really starting to figure out what is calling and what that means. That's a huge thought of uh, that I'm, I, I want you to unpack a little bit further, because I'm still figuring this out, that you're saying it had way less to do with the profession, whether it was military, corporate, or even ministry, ministry didn't answer it, it, of doing something significant. It had more to do with how to express your gifts and love others regardless of what you were doing. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah. I think you, I think you nailed it. I have, I've talked probably six or seven guys out of going into quote unquote full-time ministry in the oh, last wow. couple of years because they're like, oh, the next thing that I need to do in my spiritual walk as I get closer to God is I need to leave the business world and go into ministry. And I'm like, whoa, bro, you are, you are in ministry. You're there working for a Fortune 100 company or a small private company, and you are loving your boss who's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And you are having impact and influence on your coworkers who don't know Christ. And you're doing it with excellence. And you are digging into some of your gifts, whether it's encouragement or leadership or whatever that is. But you are on mission and you are on point out yep. there in the business world. So good. So to give some kind of paint a picture mm-hmm. with that is um, what I am doing right now working for a church is in an exercise in my gifts and strengths and calling, if you will, uh, is no different than what I was doing in the business world. And it's no different than gotcha. what I was doing in military. And let me explain that is it's not about wiggling the sticks, flying the, flying the chopper. <laughs> Love that term. It, thank you. It's not about um, hitting KPIs necessarily in the business world. It's not about what we do here in our mission of our church is to lead people into a grown relationship with Christ. Although <laughs> Jesus would say, no, it is about that. It, but it's for me, Doug, living out my calling and my strengths, I, it's leading, it's serving, it's connecting relationally. Hmm. It's being authentic and genuine. It's being a go. I'm just a go getter. I'm just wired that way. Which you can do regardless of what the profession looks like. It does. There's zero matter of concern over what your job title is. I'm doing that now, just like when I was flying in Afghanistan with a team of elite door kickers on the back can, of the helicopter. Can I can I ask for just a, a one minute sidebar from from you, Doug? Of how I mean, I think a lot of us haven't narrowed down what our unique gifts are, what we bring to the table necessarily, regardless of what job we're doing. What what would how did you land on? It sounds like you're saying that what you bring is is leadership and um, team leading and. The, that direction. How did you land on that? Another way to say that, strength finder. I love Marcus Buckingham's yeah. work. I think Marcus is the one that said the question is, "What do you do repeatedly, successfully, and happily?" Is that what? Yeah. How did you? How do? How, how do you do we find figure that out? Man, that's gosh, such such a good question. I um I think there's a couple different ways, and this is really additive 
to what you guys just said because I would echo what you guys just said and agree with that and move on. But the, um, you know, one of the things is that um, having brothers who know you well, where you're fully known, and they know what you're good at, and we haven't rehearsed this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there and put you on the spot, Robbie. Mm-hmm. When you, you got promoted to a really big job here in the church a number of months ago, and you came to me and you're like, I don't really know if I should do this or not. And I'm like, are you yeah. stinking kidding me? Yeah. yeah. These are totally, this job is totally aligned with your gifts to lead, to vision cast, to have some white space, to create some new things. This is, you have got to say yes to this. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you took the job because I said that, but. It was a huge factor. I mean, in, in that, in helping refine, what do I do repeatedly? happily and successfully, it, it was hard for me internally for a narrative to see myself. It was clear for somebody that loves me and a friend to reflect that to me. It was with greater clarity than I had of myself. And you know what that brings to mind for me, even as you guys were saying that, I didn't, I didn't think of it, honestly, until Doug, you just said that. But I remember in my career floundering time, which lasted a couple of years, I remember talking to one of my close guys who said, and and I was just expressing like I don't I can't put my finger on what I want to put my strength into what I want to get my shoulder behind and he said all he said was um, the clues are in your story hmm. look back on your story and see what's made you come alive at different times in your life different roles doesn't matter the role it matters what made you come alive in those I don't know different parts so good J- Jim Collins is. Um... Uh, wrote good to great and a lot of other books and I and I think it's I think his stuff is fantastic. But he he talks about the Venn diagram, three things come together to find that sweet spot. One is what what are you really good at? Like mm-hmm. what are you the subject matter expert at? Mm-hmm. Whether it's leading or it's it's, you know, manufacturing widgets or selling widgets, what are you really, really good at? And then the the second of the three parts is what are you passionate about? Because you could be really good at something, and man, I just don't have a passion behind that. Yeah. And the third thing, and this is secular, and, and I'm not putting down making money. I think making money is absolutely just fine. But it's you know where can you go and you make a living from from doing that? Taking those three things and putting those three things together, even though I don't think he talks about Jesus once in that book, it's got that's the fingerprints of God on you when you can find that sweet spot and find that then. Absolutely, that's awesome. I I love this because. I feel like the church has screwed up this like calling purpose and we try to spiritualize it in a way that screwed me up because I had a narrative that purpose calling would be fulfilled once I did something purposeful with calling, which is in our world is we like in the back of our head think ministry of if I'll be a pastor, if I'll do that. And it has nothing to do with it, which is which I learned the hard way because I went from non-ministry into ministry and realized it had nothing to do with contentment and peace. And I I meet with guys all the time who are looking for more significance, purpose, peace, and they go, wow, maybe I need to transition into something more meaningful. And you're saying that it was, has not been the case because you've been in three different industries and that has nothing to do with it. You're saying it has to do with aligning your gifts and calling to love others, which has nothing to do with what you're doing. You can love others in the military or corporate or ministry, but how well you're aligned with the wiring and the way God's made you as part of the larger body of men to care about others and express those gifts, it doesn't matter where that's at. Yep. You, man, I'm so, uh, that's a hot button for me. I'm so passionate about that. So I just want to kind of, I want to reiterate a little bit of that, maybe put that into my own words for everybody listening, that 
the church, capital C church, so big Christian church that's out there in the country, even globally, has totally jacked that up mm. over the last 2,000 years, where it's you, Robbie, you, Lee, being pastors at a church are more holy than, than Jason and what Jason's doing out there in the marketplace, you know, selling widgets, and that is is such so a fallacy. Up. It's yeah. biblically erroneous. It is, it's erroneous from what God feels. It's erroneous from what you really observe in the world. I feel I had as much, maybe even mm. more impact with my coworkers who didn't know Jesus when I was in the business world and even military than what I do currently right now working for the church. And I, this is where God has me, and I love it. But that Christian man that's out there in the workplace that mm. is having influence 52 to 55, 60 hours a week with those coworkers, where he spends more time with his coworkers than he does with his wife and kids at home. And that's just reality of work life. So and good. he's got so much crazy influence there and can have so much impact. And that's the beauty of the body. Paul talks about the body of believers being a body with different parts. It's like if if we all followed the church's subtle narrative of this like doing for a purpose significance, we'd be like a two foot man with like a five foot fat hand. <laughs> Is that right? So it would be such a jacked up body. It's if a weird we picture. So like 80, 80 <laughs> pound, weird. 80 pound frame soaking wet and then like a, a, a 200 pound, pound hand yeah, hand. yeah. the yeah, other thing that right. me i mean just what doug said a minute ago is that um yeah i i know me and so i'm a hundred percent positive that i am no more holy in this role you know working for a church mm-hmm. than i was as a builder working as an architect whatever yep. it was i'm i know me and i i know that just couldn't possibly be the case what about in regards to your contentment peace these things we look for in aligning our gifts with our calling. Well, yeah, and part of the reason I asked um, was asking uh, one of the questions I did a little while ago is just because I know that for me, finding what made me come alive and doing that has brought more peace, has brought more significance than anything else. And and I think I'm. I'm to encourage my job. My gifting is hmm. to encourage people, help men come alive in whatever unique way they reflect God's image. And I can do that probably in any role, you know, for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Probably starting at home, actually. So, Doug, you 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 get to do a position that's unique to help us do that, particularly for men in the corporate world. If if people want to dig deeper into this, do you have any resources or can you point them to something to dig into this topic further on how to love others and pour into others, regardless of where we're at, ministry, work, but particularly workplace, how do we do that? Yeah, so the, the program that we have is called Life Lessons Over Lunch, um, and you can go to lifelessonsoverlunch.com to get more information. But the, the real quick... Uh, executive summary on that is it's all about trying to equip the the person who's in the marketplace in the workplace to effectively reach their unchurched coworker person awesome. who's atheist agnostic doesn't know Christ um, and it's 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 all about not just giving you the how to but giving the why behind it and it comes to everything that we've talked about in the last 25 minutes or so That's what awesome. is God has called you and you and me to serve to love doesn't matter what your giftings are. But then, like for Lee's example, you're an encourager. You know? That's right. That's not really me. I'm the guy that's going to you know, schwack you and say, do it better. You're going to come behind me and say, no, no, you're doing you're a great kill, job. You're crushing this stuff. Crushing, thank you. 
It's one of my favorite words. Thanks, Doug. That's awesome. Y'all can find more there. So Lee, what do you think, what, what do we do with this in, in, as a community of men? Well, I think step one is just what you said. We, we're in community as men and we're connected to other men and hopefully we're connected to men who know us and know to some degree um, our stories and what we're made to, to do in this world. Just like you mentioned before about Doug um, calling you out a little bit to say, hey man, of course this is what you're mm. made to do. Um, I know you, I can totally see you in this role. And just as helpful would have been in the other direction, like, whoa, hold on, Robbie, that doesn't sound like you at all. I know it's a, it may even be a better title or a, you know, a, a little bit more m- percentage of uh, income for the year, but yep. I don't see that, you know, in your gifting, in your set of gifts. So That's awesome. I think we, we're engaged with each other. We're, we're helping each other move up in conversation and groups and, so like anything, we say, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? And then how can we help? And if we've got each other, we can help each other along that journey. I love it. That's awesome. So let's let's start landing the plane with a section that we love from a guy who really has been aligned and engaged in his unique calling for a long time. And what he does repeatedly and happily over and over. And part of that is just he is a fountain of wisdom. And so for a couple minutes, let's hear some wisdom from the woods. Back in the 90s, when I was in my early 40s, Stephen Covey came out with his book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Man, that book caught my attention in so many ways. Begin with the end in mind, um, seek to understand before being understood, sharpen the saw, different habits like that. And um, as a guy in my early 40s, I, I had this desire, you have this desire to be a successful man. I believe that's a God-given desire put in you and me to be fruitful, to be successful in what we do. And so I started uh, with some of those habits um, back when I was around 42. And along the way, I've had different men ask me, hey, what are the habits uh, that you have uh, that are helping you grow in wisdom or to become the godly man that you want to be? Let me just give you a few others to think about. Um, A big one for me is when I learned that a day in the mind of God actually begins the night before. In Genesis chapter 1, when he talks about the creation of the heavens and the earth, he says the evening and the morning were the first day. A Hebrew day was sundown to sundown. So one of the habits that I thought about was beginning the night before. So start thinking about tomorrow uh, the night before. That was one of, the, one of the habits that helped me. Another one was just the idea of trying to get eight hours of rest. I know some of you go, yeah, fat chance for that, but try to get eight hours of rest. I still think it's a beautiful practice if you can to rise early. Um, I love getting up at dawn before sunrise. I love being in creation. It just does something for your body, soul, and spirit. Uh, just try to get 15, 30, 45 minutes alone with God and his word. And a couple other things that I would just add on, on this particular segment or episode is try to greet every day with a forgiving spirit. Andy Andrews in the book The Traveler's Gift said, greet every day with a forgiving spirit. I still have to do that all the time. Last habit that has really been very, very helpful to me through the years is what I call a 24-hour Sabbath rest. One of the greatest concerns that I have for men these days is they're running 24-7. 
seven days a week, constantly plugged in. Try to find a 24-hour segment where you can unplug, and I think some of these habits will absolutely contribute to you and me being fully alive men. Think about that. Doug, thank you so much for joining Lee. This was super fun. My name's Robbie. We will be back in with you for episode five. Super excited. Yes, thank you, Doug. You're awesome. We love you. We're jealous of you. <laughs> we want. We wish we wiggled the sticks as you did in our former career. Guys, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate us if you like it. If you don't, please don't rate us. Do Thanks. something else. Thanks, guys. See you.